want the wealth of visiting, uh, for those who regularly, you know that there's a long series on the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught in uh, Matthew 5. And when this was announced, when Andrew announced this uh, series, Bella, our nine-year-old daughter, was sitting on Tara's lap and she leant back and whispered in Tara's ear, Mummy, can we make sure we don't miss one Sunday this year? I want to be here for the whole series. I'm sure we all felt the same. (laughs) As we prepare to open today's passage, I'd like you to think of a time where you were particularly hungry, like really, really hungry, starving. Okay, maybe your uh, blood sugar levels had dropped and you needed something sweet. Maybe you'd been fasting for a medical procedure. Maybe you just hadn't had a healthy meal in a little while and were just craving substance, meat or something real. Uh, Think of that time. Just capture that moment in your head when you craved something to eat or drink and could barely control yourself until you satisfied that hunger or thirst. Hopefully you've all got that moment ready. This is our verse for today. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. There's four parts to this short verse that we're going to focus on for the next 20 minutes. That's a blessing. There's this visceral experience, this kind of physical encounter that's going on, hungering and thirsting for something. There's this really loaded religious word, called righteousness. We don't use it so often in our common language. And then there's this ending, this completion about being filled, satisfied. Now, we might be able to understand what a blessing is, uh, something positive, something that's given to us, uh, a gift maybe. But what does this central word righteousness mean? And why should we hunger and thirst for it? And how will it fill us and satisfy us? I'm not sure what comes to your mind, but when I first read the word righteousness, it brings back all these childhood memories for me. I I grew up in an Anglican church. My dad was the minister, and I was an altar boy. And so for me, I think of robes, religious garb, okay, and religious practices. I think of special clothing and important ceremonies, or I think of a monk or a nun who is devoting their life to prayer and reading the scriptures. If we look back at the time where Jesus walked, he was surrounded by all this religious paraphernalia as well. The Jewish community are familiar with religious practice. They had regular festivals and ceremonies that they attended frequently. They went to synagogues to worship. And where they worshipped, the synagogue was loaded with symbolism, meaning and, and, uh, and ritual. And their weekly rhythm revolved around this thing called the Sabbath, a day of rest that they started with a feast to carry you through 
a day of fast. The priests wore special robes to signify that they had high standing in society. And uh, they presided like judges in the absence of, of a court system. And so in our modern times and contemporary culture, it's tempting to kind of transfer some of that thinking. We might think of a righteous person as a Christian with high standing. They've got stature. Uh, we might think of someone with moral significance in our society. Maybe they're a famous pastor or missionary, someone well known for their ministry, their writings and their influence. It's tempting to think that this is something we should pursue if we're going to pursue righteousness. That to hunger and thirst for righteousness means to be held in high regard for our Christian devotion. Maybe our ministry, our teaching, our leadership, or our weekly church attendance. Or that we go to all the Christian conferences. If we can be really honest, we want to uh, sometimes make sure that everyone, every Christian we know, knows how important we are in the Christian circuit. We want to name drop someone or mention our, um, our spiritual credentials, our accomplishments as a Christian. We can believe that being righteous actually means being right up there. But chasing after the dream of being religiously right up there rarely satisfies, rarely fills. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for being right up there doesn't seem to satisfy. It reminds me of comedian Jim Carrey, a quote that he made, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of so they will know that it's not the answer. So what was Jesus saying to his followers in this passage? To answer that, it's important we understand who was Jesus talking to. Who was listening to this famous Sermon on the Mount and hearing what we call the Beatitudes? In Matthew chapter 4, to wind back, we learn that Jesus had been travelling around Galilee, the Decapolis, ten regional cities, uh, and word was spreading about him. He was teaching in the synagogues, healing the sick, and word was spreading all over Syria, Matthew 4 says. And people were bringing the sick to him to be healed, the paralyzed, the demon-possessed. People were bringing their friends and their relatives so Jesus might touch them. And word was spreading about him. Large crowds followed him. But the majority of these crowds were not the priests and the prophets, the religious folk. This, this group were the unclean outcasts. They were the paralyzed, the rejected, the destitute, the forgotten. These were the most vulnerable in their society that were listening to these words. So how would they hear the words, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness? Let's come back to this central word, righteousness. Matthew 5, 6 translates it into the Greek word. Oh, that might be, there we go, dikasune, which essentially has two meanings. 
right relationship and justice. One commentator defines righteousness as those right with God, a vertical connection with God, and those right, and they're, sorry, right with God and therefore committed to putting right all other relationships in life. In Hebrew, there are two words to mean righteousness. The first is tzedakah, which means being just, living justly. And the second is mishpat, which is a rectifying justice, that is punishing wrongdoers. So there's a proactive tzedakah, being just, and a reactive mishpat. New York pastor and writer Tim Keller explains in the Bible, tzedakah refers to day-to-day living in which a person conducts all relationships in family and society with fairness, generosity, and equity. It is behaviour that, if prevalent in the world, would render rectifying justice, mishpat, unnecessary because everyone would be living in right relationship to everyone else. At the very centre of our Christian story is Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the tomb. Even though we don't deserve it, in that sacrificial act, Jesus does both forms of righteousness, doesn't he? He rights our wrongs, he forgives our sins, and he makes us right with God. He does both tzedakah and mishpat in that one moment. For us, righteousness is about right relationships with God and with people. For God, he not only wants us to be in right relationship with him, but with one another, including those who are poor and downtrodden. This is a very consistent theme throughout the scripture, throughout the Bible. Blessed, uh, sorry, let's, in light of that, let's, let's read this passage again. Blessed are those, I'm not sure, I'll let Paul control that. Thanks, Matt. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, right relationships and justice, for they will be filled. Takes on a new meaning, doesn't it? When we take a closer look at this word righteousness, we discover Jesus talking to the lowly of society about being hungry to make all things right and fair and to pursue right relationships and seek justice. But it's hard to do that when you're at the bottom of the pecking order. Even though they have very little agency to change their circumstances because they daily live feeling unequal to others, especially the religious elite, Jesus calls them blessed. This is that upside-down kingdom that Jesus does and teaches. Blessed because they know better than most what it means to long for change, and so does God. The founder of international NGO World Vision once said, let my heart be broken by the things that break God's heart. 
This is what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. To understand God's heart, which all through the Bible is for the broken. And to pursue justice on their behalf with all our energy. This is important for me as I take on this role. Uh, Global Mission Partners, if you don't know, serves developing communities in about 12 countries as well as indigenous communities here in Australia. At our core, we long to see relationships righted with God, that vertical connection, but also that horizontal community connection. In South Sudan, a nation which ranks lowest on the human development index, that is life expectancy, uh, income, and other things, it is a lawless state. Okay, high crime, high violence. Our Christian partner is bringing peace and, inc- and doing peace workshops and they've run about 5,000, they've had about 5,000 people attend their peace workshops in the last four years. They are promoting peace in highly volatile circumstances. In Turkey and Syria, which just the other week had a huge earthquake, you would have seen about it on the news, 50,000 people died in, under the rubble, the crumbling of, of apartment blocks, and a million people left homeless, now sleeping in tents. Our Christian partners are there providing food, shelter, and medical assistance. In India, where in the slum communities, so poor that they can't get proper education and access to health and can't afford the health care. Our Christian partners are providing schooling and hospitals and medical assistance, bringing a brighter future to the communities there. And in our neighbouring Vanuatu, just here in the Pacific, uh, where people with a disability find it hard to run for shelter when a cyclone comes through their community and takes the roof off their, off their home. Churches, we're working with churches. Our Christian partner there is the Vanuatu Churches of Christ. They are helping churches become safe places for the whole community and training the whole community to come to the church and seek shelter and make sure that those who uh, cannot get there themselves are looked after, are prioritised. These Christians in places of suffering and hardship passionately seeking right relationships and to set the world right. What does it mean for us here today to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Well, let, me, let us look at two other passages of Scripture that link this theme of hunger and being just. The first one is Isaiah 58, four verses from Isaiah 58, very well-known passage in Isaiah And uh, here we have this encounter where the people are talking to God and then God talks back to the people. And watch what happens. Why have we fasted, they say, and you haven't seen it? This is the people talking to God. Why have we fasted and you haven't seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed? Remember what we were saying before about being right up there. Yet this passage Flips it. God then says, he responds, Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. 
Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it not? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? The prophet Isaiah points out here what, joy, what Jesus was pointing out in the Beatitudes. Let's look at Matthew 25. Again, listen for those key words from our Beatitude. Blessed, righteous, hungry. See if you can spot them. Nine verses we'll read here. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Take your inheritance. Sounds like being filled, satisfied, filled. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or, or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I love that the righteous don't even realize they were doing good. Here we come to the conclusion. This is what it means to be satisfied, to be filled. Jesus himself is considered righteous, not because of his high moral standing, but because of those of us who follow him. He has made us right with God. He has restored our relationship. He has been gracious in making us one with the holy God. What a gift. He has offered us undeserved justice. In light of this, we need to ask ourselves, am I contributing to Jesus' vision of a just world? If so, how much am I hungering and thirsting for? How much am I pursuing? For me, I want Christians to reframe our understanding of righteousness. Because the Central Coast, Australia, and even the world doesn't need Christians grandstanding in high positions. It needs a humble priesthood of all believers 
restoring relationships with the broken and the lowly and setting the world right. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let's pray. And as I was praying this morning, I sensed the Lord wanted to do something, the Holy Spirit. And I loved that song, Gold, that the team were leading us in worship about before. Uh, about purifying us. And I sensed that the Lord wants to do some more purifying. And so if, if something I've said today has stirred your heart, that's wonderful and, and, and praise to God. But if, if I just sense there's three things I'd encourage us to be uh, bringing to God right now. And maybe one of those things is, um, you know, the vertical relationship with God. How right is that relationship? God wants us restored in relationship with him. The second might be that horizontal piece. Are there relationships in our lives that need repairing, need reconciling? And the third area is our appetite or our passion, our hunger for uh, making the world right. And in particular, those who are suffering in our world. And maybe uh, our heart has gone a bit cold on that and we need God to stir and restore that hunger and thirst in us. So let's bring those things together in prayer now, whatever it is. May the Holy Spirit just minister to us for a moment now. So come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, you are Lord. And we thank you for your word, these beatitudes that you shared many years ago and that they echo throughout eternity and they ring true in our ears this morning. But may they come alive in us today. Not just head knowledge, but something we embody, that we live out. And so for those of us, Lord, who need to write our relationship with you, whether it's for the first time or the 18,000th time, Lord, may we be reconnected with you, our Holy Father. May you welcome us back in, like the prodigal son. And for those of us who need to reconcile relationships broken in our family, in our community, with our neighbours, whoever it is, May you show us, may you reveal, Holy Spirit, who they are to our mind and our heart now. And may we make a commitment to you to go and reconcile that relationship and make it right. And thirdly, Father, if there are some of us here today where the passion and the fire for making things right in this world, for the suffering and the hurting and the broken, and ways to serve them and care for them and lift them up. Like you did, Jesus. May you restore that now. Fan the flame, Holy Spirit. Fan the flame. We welcome you into our hearts, Lord Jesus, to have your way. Because we declare you as King and Lord.
Amen.